0: Hey guys, it's Jesse. Listen, we are still creating new content for the Enneacast this coming year. In fact, we'll be back in two weeks on February 22nd with a brand new episode. But for now, we wanted to revisit an old episode, and it's one that I especially love. I think it's really practical. I think it's got really good advice. I think that any of us, no matter where we are in terms of our personality on the Enneagram, we're going to find things in this episode that are relevant to us, areas that we can improve, areas that we can grow, and ways that we can recognize how to better love and serve other people. So here it is, episode 28, Boundaries and the Enneagram with Kiana Brown.
1: I want you guys to imagine a bullseye, and in this bullseye, there are only two circles. The outer circle is our circle of concern, and in the inner circle of that bullseye is your circle of responsibility. This is a show about self-discovery,
0: about understanding ourselves,
1: about looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are.
0: This is about how we relate to God
1: and everyone else.
0: From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Iniacast. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram. And today, we come to a special topical episode, actually, about boundaries.
2: We, uh, beginning of the season, before we started recording... Uh, asked you guys like what topics you wanted to hear, and boundaries actually came up a lot. So we wanted to set aside time to walk through what are boundaries, how can we implement them, and give you really practical ways to start living a life with healthy boundaries.
0: Yeah, boundaries is one of the most difficult things, I think, that we journey through as people. Understanding the appropriate relationship that we have with other people, with ourselves, with stewarding our time, mm-hmm. with our limitations, you know, and physical needs. Like boundaries, is a, it's a difficult, difficult subject.
2: Yeah, I feel like you only ever hear about boundaries when it comes to like dating and premarital relationships and almost like giving you things of like what not to do. And it, we're not necessarily talking about boundaries in that sense. We're talking about a holistic picture of boundary of the soul and and what's mine to own versus what is someone else's responsibility.
0: Yeah, good healthy boundaries are life-giving, not life-taking. And I think it's also important that we remember like good healthy boundaries are always created in a healthy supportive community. And so we're going to talk a lot about boundaries today, but the assumption is this, you know, at the end of every episode we tell you like go unpack these things in community and boundaries is no exception. The only way that you're going to have healthy boundaries is also to be surrounded by a healthy community. So here to talk about boundaries is our special guest, Kiana Brown. So Kiana actually co-founded Love That Neighborhood with me. And uh, she's been a part of this staff since the very beginning. Uh, we've known each other for, I don't know, a very ten, long time, 10-ish ten years. Ten-ish ten years. Uh, I officiated over her wedding as well. Uh, sure. Her and her husband are both alumni of our program. Kiana is a two on the Enneagram and twos often struggle with boundaries. So I guess let's start, why did this topic of boundaries become important to you?
1: Yeah, so probably in college was when I would say my boundary issues were at their worst. So I was involved in like five or six clubs and organizations, and I was leading three of those. I had four part-time jobs. I was in school full-time. Oh my gosh,
2: all this at the same time?
1: Yes. I don't know when I slept maybe I didn't.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, So I had kind of just, you know, was doing that as my norm and then came for a summer to serve with LTN. And there was a lot of boundaries in LTN. Like one day a week, I was not allowed to work and I was required to rest. That was a totally new, new thing for me. I was like required rest. (laughs) What is this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so I think during that time was when I became aware of the issues that I had with boundaries. So after that summer, went back and finished up college and really cut back on the amount of things that I was involved with and probably started sleeping again. Yeah, um, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, so that's kind of when I became more aware of it and started working on it and started kind of exploring the issues of boundaries And as a Christian, like, how does that relate, like, boundaries in the Christian faith? How do those relate to each other? And kind of has been something I've been passionate about and excited um, about learning and teaching since then.
2: Yeah. So speaking of, like, Scripture and the biblical foundations, can you give us some context? What context in Scripture do you see for boundaries?
1: Yeah. So one thing that I see a lot in Scripture is, you know, a lot of people will talk about, like, Jesus going... A way to rest. That's a very common thing. And we say like, oh, he had boundaries. he he would go and he would rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, relational boundaries. He, you know, wasn't BFFs with every single person he met. He had a tight circle of 12, but then an inner circle of three. So good relational boundaries he shared, you know, different things with those different circles of people. Another helpful example that I like to tell people is in Galatians 6, um, 2 through 5. So I'm going to read that really fast. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Each one will bear his own load. So burden in this passage, you know, bear one another's burdens is referring to something too heavy for one person to carry. It's a boulder. It's just it's impossible to carry by yourself. But then we see at the end of this passage for each will bear his own load. Load here is referring to something heavy but not impossible to carry. Mm -hmm. So think of like a heavy backpack that you carry. Like it is heavy, but it's yours to carry. It's not the other person's responsibility.
0: Why are boundaries important?
1: You know, we are created with boundaries. So the Lord, you know, created us on earth. That's a boundary, a physical boundary. He created us in bodies, physical bodies. He created time. So I believe that the Lord created us to live within certain boundaries. He created those boundaries as good, holy things. And the reason that I think they're important is because we are not infinite beings. We don't have infinite energy or time or space. Yeah. And so to learn to live within those boundaries is to learn how to have to relate in a healthy way, you know, emotionally and relationally to other people, to ourselves, you know, with the Lord spiritually and then within, you know, like physical boundaries as well.
0: Yeah, that's good. You know, as we get into our conversation about boundaries, you know, is there anything that you feel like we need to be thinking about before we even start the conversation?
1: So boundaries are rooted in identity. So who I am determines what I do, not the opposite. So for Mm. me, I am a daughter of God. Because I am a daughter of God, that determines what I do. Mm. Therefore, I'm not enslaved to what other people think, what the world says, because my identity is in Christ, that's where my boundaries come out of.
0: Uh, give Give me the flip side of that. What happens when we have a wrong identity?
1: So, you know, I am a volunteer in the kids' ministry, and because I'm a volunteer in the kids' ministry, I have to help every time there's a need. So we've flipped, what I do is I'm a volunteer. What you're doing is determining your boundaries.
2: Which is where we get into a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, the different I guess types of pitfalls with boundaries, Kiana. Whenever you teach this workshop with our interns, you talk about the spectrum of boundaries. So can you articulate that a little bit more? I think that'll be really helpful.
1: Yeah. So kind of the when we're thinking of the spectrum of boundaries, you want to think on one side we have someone that has no boundaries, mm-hmm. and then on the opposite side we have someone that just has unmovable boundaries. Um, and I typically tell people when they're thinking through like. Where do I land on this spectrum? It's helpful to think, first of all, as like an overall, like, where do I land? But then subsequently, it's helpful to think about it. Where do I fall on this boundary spectrum at work, when I'm at home, when I am relating to technology, when I'm relating to the Lord, when I'm with my family? So it's helpful to kind of break it down, because obviously, those issues are going to vary depending Mm -hmm. on what kind of situation you're in. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Enneagram types in terms of the spectrum of boundaries. Like, Can you walk us through that?
1: Yeah, so I have some thoughts. I've been thinking a little bit about this, but I actually thought it would be super helpful if the three of us discussed this together because I'd love to get your input as well. You guys are the Enneagram experts. Yes, so that's true. That's maybe us. we can put Enneagram, Enneagram and boundary <laughs> experts together. So the ones we see struggling, you know, I see struggling more with that unmovable kind of you know that sense of very rigid. right and wrong they're yeah. more rigid they tend to be unmovable
0: yeah i think they tend to be unmovable because of their personal strong moral mm-hmm. values but i also think that they can oscillate if the person that's making the request or the situation can tap into that if they can appeal directly enough to that person's you know moral standards then all of a sudden i think the boundary becomes fuzzy for them because they go oh maybe I am being wrong on this, and therefore I need to do the right thing. So I think they they tend to be unmovable, but if you appeal in the right way to Mm -hmm. their morals, then I think it can get fuzzy for those folks.
1: Yes. Um, And then so for the two, we see them struggling with no boundaries. So there's a lot of people pleasing and because all of what they're doing comes out of that sense of needing to please others. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And if it gets bad enough, that's when you get into codependency, which is all of my boundaries are actually just defined by other people's needs. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my boundaries are literally I don't have any. I'm just defined by whatever the needs are in front of me. And I react and respond to those.
1: Yeah. So very little self-awareness of your own needs but high self, high awareness of others' needs. The three we also see struggling with no boundaries. They can often struggle with manipulating others, whether consciously or unconsciously.
2: Yeah, I think that's really good to to keep in mind. And I also wonder if they can swing back and forth because of their tendency to shapeshift and become who people need them to be, and they kind of lose their sense of self in the process. I don't know if that ever becomes an issue of boundaries, but I do wonder if they have the propensity to kind of ebb and flow based on, you know, the image that they're trying to keep or the, you know, the networking and the relatings they're trying to accomplish. So I, I think for threes, having a clear sense of self can be difficult. Therefore, boundaries can be difficult to maintain.
1: Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. So the four can struggle sometimes with being unmovable due to just having particular tastes and just they're not easily swayed. They like what they like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> we tend to be, you know, like I've called us this before, like we tend to be like the keepers of cool. Like yes. we're like we define what is culture, you know, and we tend to be snobby. It's one mm-hmm. of the pitfalls of, of the type four. That being said, we also go to that non-resourceful to space, you know, in particular mm-hmm. situations where if somebody else is like, they could be making an unreasonable request of us mm-hmm. and we really feel the temptation to cave to it because we just want to keep the relationship intact or we mm-hmm. really want to make them happy like so fours fours are interesting creatures because we can be like really firm on our boundaries and then all of a sudden we can turn into people pleasers as well
1: mm-hmm. and again you know going back to like kind of think about where you fall on that spectrum in different situations you know at work you might tend towards one side of the spectrum at home we might tend towards Mm -hmm. another side of the spectrum yeah the fives tend to be more unmovable they have researched what they think about something and they know what they think about something they are firm in the decision they've made they can often struggle with generosity um, and letting people in so just having really high boundaries that are difficult to let other people in
0: What's interesting, too, again, though, about the fives, if you stress them out, they go into the seven space where they get real scattered. And a lot of fives that I talk to will complain about that they overbook themselves. They start saying yes to everything because they lose their bearings. So I think that most commonly a five operates out of that unmovable space. like They're very particular about... Their alone time, the structure of their life, uh, the things they read, the things that they take in, but you stress them out enough and they kind of lose their way a little bit and get disoriented.
1: Yeah. So the sixes, the sixes are kind of interesting. So we see on the one hand, the no boundaries. They want to make other people afraid. They want other people to see the situation the same way they do. And they can kind of run over other people's sense of self. On the other side, we see them kind of being unmovable. That same fear that was once just trampling people can make them just not want to participate in whatever is going on. So I'm terrified and therefore no one can convince me otherwise that this thing is true.
2: I think it's really tricky for the six because of their self-doubt that they can begin to look outward for their sense of security and safety Mm -hmm. so I think it's important like you're mentioning to keep in mind the different categories of life because sixes at work you know especially when there's authority involved can lose a sense of self and lose boundaries and adhere to the boundaries of the stronger personality or presence in the room but then maybe in other contexts they're the ones setting the boundary they're the ones with the authority and so sixes can kind of oscillate between both ends of the spectrum.
1: So um, sevens often commonly struggle with having no boundaries. They want to do it all. They have probably the most FOMO of any number. So they have a lot of difficulty with appropriate time boundaries. Like how do I manage my time? Mm-hmm. I've been invited to five parties and they're all at the same time and I want to go to all of them. How do I say, which party do I say yes to and which ones am I turning down?
0: Yeah, what's funny though is again, the seven stress them out and they go into this one space where they actually can become very demanding of other people. Mm-hmm. And so they can have very low standards at times for themselves. But, uh, they can have very high expectations of the party or of the situation they're walking into or what they think it should be like and so they typically occupy the space where they struggle with boundaries but stress them out enough or they dislike something enough and they can actually become very rigid like the ones unhealthy unhealthy ones guys (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) so now moving on to the eights a common struggle for the eights is having no boundaries. They kind of run over other people, um, and that is, you know, for a variety of reasons.
2: But in peer relationships, they keep their cards close. It's hard for them to, to be vulnerable, and vulnerability is something that they are constantly thinking about and trying to to fight against. And so I think that they actually can stonewall the people around them by setting up too many boundaries of not appearing weak and not allowing for that, that connection and that belonging to happen because of their deeply you know rooted walls that they've kind of put up to keep others out again i think this is just to to further your point of to be mindful of the category in which Mm -hmm. you're you know interpreting your life because in leadership they can be very boundless but you know talking to them kind of behind closed doors i think that they can have a lot of boundaries kind of in place
1: correct yeah Um, So then for the nines, again, we kind of see that oscillating back and forth. So we see on the one end, the no boundaries, they're going to go with the flow, um, not declare themselves as often. They don't want to rock the boat, disturb the peace. So they're going to have no boundaries, kind of go with whatever the crowd, if everyone wants to eat at this one place, they're just going to go with it. Then we also see on the other side, the like the unmovableness, that kind of quiet, passive stubbornness.
2: I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, nines, I think their default is to make sure that everybody else is doing okay and is, and is feeling at peace and, and comfortable. And so that process and that disposition can only hold out for so long. And then nines just have certain rigid demands that they're not going to move on. And it feels like, why are you being stubborn? Why is this the one thing that you're freaking out about? And it's because they've kind of alleviated and given up so much control in other aspects that their souls are kind of saying like, I need control of this one thing, and it might not make sense, and it probably doesn't, and it's probably not even the thing I should be as passionate about, but I'm not going to waver on this thing.
1: Yeah, so. absolutely.
0: Yeah, pushing a nine really- <laughs> It's like really, pushing a beanbag. Yeah, <laughs> like, it really reveals that stubbornness that's not typically you know, visible on the surface. Yeah.
2: Cool. I think that was really helpful, kind of starting us off to kind of think about that spectrum, and if you just listen to your type, and as we kind of helped- Unpack and understand, and you're thinking like, that doesn't really sound like me. Well, that's probably good because when we talk about boundaries and boundary issues, we're really getting at that false self, your non-resourceful traits. And so if you're hearing that kind of walking through the numbers and you didn't resonate with what we just said, well, maybe it's because you're you've got boundaries kind of under control. So, yeah, and the and big so, thing is we want to yeah.
0: we we want we want to help people identify the areas in which you are vulnerable to attack. You're vulnerable to suffering. We could have do an entire episode about how awesome your boundaries are. But that probably won't be all that helpful to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So we really want to help walk you through areas where you may be vulnerable to hardship.
1: Yeah. And I also think it's important to add here that boundaries are not permanent. So in different seasons of life, your boundaries will kind of change and shift. And that's not necessarily an unhealthy thing. Boundaries are not immovable walls that we set up, but they can shift depending on the season and in different areas.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, because we can all move along the spectrum, but it's important that we ask ourselves, like, what's our most common tendency? And also, like, what's the context that these boundary issues are showing up in. Yes. So we can have really firm boundaries in one context and no boundaries in another context. And so we need to understand like, this is how I am at work. This is how I am at home. This is how I am with uh, my friends, with my spouse, with my in-laws, with my kids, like context changes everything. Okay. So when we come back, Kiana going to walk us through ways to help us have healthy boundaries. So stay with us. <laughs> Hey, it's Anna, the media editor.
1: Recently, I've been taking some time to talk with the parents and guardians of some of our alumni about how serving with Love Thy Neighborhood has impacted the life of their child.
2: Hi, this is Steve Lindsay from Leola, Pennsylvania, and my son Taylor served with Love Thy Neighborhood in 2018. That was a year that was life-changing and one in which we saw him grow in his faith, his self-awareness, his leadership skills, and in his passion for those in the margins of society. We honestly believe that that year invested in a social justice internship at Love Thy Neighborhood will have not only wide-ranging, but eternal impact.
1: To learn more about our program and internships, head over to our website at lovethyneighborhood.org. Find a place where social action and Christian community meet by checking out lovethyneighborhood.org.
0: Welcome back to the unicast I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Okay, so we're here with Kiana Brown, our operations administrator here at Love Thy Neighborhood. And she's a type two on the Enneagram. And type twos commonly struggle with boundaries. So Kiana's been on her own journey of working through the topic of boundaries over the last several years. So before the commercial break, we went over the spectrum of boundaries and over a lot of the common problems that different Enneagram types encounter as regards boundaries. So now I want us to move forward and to change. From having unhealthy boundaries to healthy ones, so let's let's talk a little bit about that, Kiana. One of the first things that you mentioned is about understanding your own responsibility. Can you tell me some about that?
1: Yeah. So for me, my journey with boundaries came with understanding what's my responsibility and what is not my responsibility. So your boundaries, what's within them? Some examples are your feelings. So I'm in charge of my feelings. I think a common thing that I hear often is, you made me feel that way. That's bad boundaries. We can't make somebody feel that way. Um, We are responsible for our actions my actions are within my boundaries some other examples your beliefs your behavior your choices your talents your thoughts those are your within your boundaries those are your responsibility so those are um, some examples of what is your responsibility what's within your boundaries
0: i think what's really important in this is that you're getting at the idea of um, your own personal agency and i say that in contrast with people that take a victim posture Any time that we're in a victim posture, we will not grow as people. Mm -hmm. It is not possible. And so if we're in a posture where we're saying, you made me feel this way, you made me believe this, I can't do that. I can't think that. I can't believe that. We are giving all of our agency away to other people and taking a victim posture. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't times where we are legitimate victims, But thematically, if we take a victim posture in life, our boundaries are going to be terrible and we are not going to grow as people.
2: Mm -hmm. So Kiana, whenever you teach, you talk about uh, what's called the boundaries filter. Can you just explain what that is and how it can be helpful?
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. So the boundaries filter that I personally use and I recommend um, other people use um, is just two circles. So for the boundary filter, I want you guys to imagine a bullseye. And in this bullseye, there are only two circles. The outer circle is our circle of concern. Those are areas and tasks, things that are important to us, but they're outside of our responsibility. And in the inner circle of that bullseye is your circle of responsibility. And that contains specific areas and tasks that are your responsibility to attend to. So those things we mentioned earlier, the feelings, the beliefs, the thoughts, your responsibility. Mm -hmm. Outside of those things would fall the circle of concern.
0: Okay, let me give you a couple scenarios and you can tell me which one of these falls into. Um, You have a three-year-old child and it's lunchtime and they're hungry and they need to eat and they don't know how to make their own food. Which category does that fall into?
1: Yeah, so as as a parent, that would be my responsibility to get lunch ready for my child. That would fall within my circle of responsibility. However, my three-year-old should know how to feed himself a sandwich. So I'm not responsible for physically getting the sandwich in his mouth. (laughs) But getting the food ready for him to eat would fall within my responsibility as the parent of that child.
0: Okay. Let's say that a friend of yours needs a ride to the airport at 4 a.m. and you're home with your kid and it means you would need to get up yourself and your child to go pick up your friend and take them to the airport. Which category would that fall into?
1: That would be a hard pass for me. No. (laughs) That would be your circle of concern. So that is something that you just can't do. You can be concerned about that person and even help that person give them suggestions. But again, even the giving them suggestions or other ideas would not be your responsibility to do that.
0: Let me give you two more. Um, How about you have reports due at work every single Monday, and it is almost the end of the day Monday it's time to get the report in that would be in which circle
1: that would be your responsibility so that is a job description you're responsible for those things okay
0: your boss routinely contacts you after hours to ask you questions that they should already know the answer to What uh, circle is that in?
1: So that would be your concern, and that is probably something you should talk to your boss about.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that I remember when you first came with this diagram a couple years ago, you picked it up at a conference, and you came back, and you actually drew it on the board. And it's like so simple. like I love how simple it is and so obvious once you actually map it, where you're like, it's two circles. It falls in this category or this category. And I feel like this is like the exact kind of tool that a lot of people just need to put to use.
1: Yeah. And I think something that is interesting about this, so the circle of concern is much bigger. It's the outer circle of that bullseye. It's larger. We have more that is within our circle of concern than the responsibility. Um, and I think a lot of issues come when we switch that when the circle of responsibility becomes the outer circle and we start becoming responsible or thinking that we 're responsible for more than we actually are,
0: yeah, which taps into you know an unrealistic view of our capacities. Mm-hmm. We believe we are capable of far more than we are actually capable of, and having those appropriate boundaries allows you to go, "I want to give of myself." I need to be realistic with my capacities. I only have so much to give, so who am I going to give it to?
2: I like that the language is called circle of concern because I think when it comes to the issue of boundaries, there's a tendency to feel like if I'm not the one directly involved, that means I don't care and I don't have concern for it. And And I think it's an important distinction to make the difference between I don't care about that and I can't care about that. And it gets into the issue of capacity. Like I physically don't have enough energy to go around to care about every single issue. That That doesn't mean that I don't care about it, it just means that my sense of self, I just don't have any to give, but that doesn't mean that I'm not concerned. So I like that the language from from this diagram is is still empathetic and it allows people permission to say like i can be I can be emotionally, you know in tune and kind of aware of what's happening here, but I don't need to contribute in the way that I would with my primary relationships and responsibilities.
0: So, Keanu, you've talked to us a little bit before about the fact that you really see that there are four different uh, major categories of boundary issues. Can you walk us through those four categories and also just describe what they mean? And then I guess as listeners are are listening to this, they should probably try to identify which of these four categories that they're in. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's correct. And similar to the spectrum, um, you're going to also want to think about where do I fall with these four common issues, you know, at home versus work versus friendships, technology, your relationship with the Lord. So you can kind of use these four types in a similar way as we did with the spectrum. Yeah, great. So yeah, so the first one is the compliant. This is someone who can't say no. They feel guilty. They can feel controlled and sometimes are controlled by others. They have difficulties setting boundaries and When they do, those boundaries are often fuzzy and indistinct. Their circle of responsibility, that inside bullseye, has almost completely taken over the entire circle. You know, even the things they should just be concerned about are now included in their responsibility. So they really need to dial back that inner circle.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's good.
1: So the next common boundary issue we see is the controller. This is someone who can't hear no. They often violate the boundaries of others, They're also kind of blaming others for what is theirs to own. So again, we see that circle of responsibility way too big. So they're micromanaging, they're, you know, as we would say, putting their hands in the cookie jars. They want all the cookies and all the jars. They want to know what's going on.
0: Yeah, so there's there's a tendency to be overly controlling and overly involved in other people's affairs Mm -hmm. that are not actually theirs. They don't give agency and autonomy to other people. They want to control everything. So their circle's too large Uh, but for very different reasons.
2: Yeah, I think it's an important, the compliant type, you know, number one, they can't say no, so they're going to say yes to everything, but this type you said, they can't hear no, and I think that's a really cool Mm -hmm. kind of distinction.
1: Yeah, and if we even think further back to the boundary spectrum, the compliant and the controller are going to land most often on no boundaries, on the no boundaries side of the spectrum. Right, right. So the third common boundary issue that we see is the non-responsive. This person can't say yes so this person if we're going back to the bullseye this person often has just a vague fuzzy bullseye so that circle of responsibility and that circle of concern are very vague and fuzzy
0: so the issue isn't even whether it's too small or too big we actually don't even know what it is because they live with a general sort of vagueness as regards to other people needing things from them or what they even need or what they're even responsible for
1: yeah absolutely So the final common boundary issue that we see is the avoidant. This person can't hear yes. They set boundaries against receiving care from others. So, again, going back to that picture of the bullseye, it's not so much about the size of it, but the fact that they are missing from that circle of responsibility from receiving care from others.
0: So, in other words, what they fail to see is so if we do circle responsibility, they might be in the circle... But their understanding of I need help from other people, that's what's missing. The ability to receive care from other people and understanding that 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 is a part of healthy boundaries is I need help from other people to do life.
1: That's correct, yeah. They have often an inability to ask for help for themselves.
0: So receiving care, that's what's missing from that inner circle.
1: That's right. So the last two, the non-responsive and the avoidant, if we go back again to that spectrum, can often fall on the
2: unmovable boundaries side of the spectrum.
0: Yeah, that's that's really, really helpful.
2: So Kiana, now that we've kind of gone through different ways to think about boundaries, we have a spectrum to consider, we have you know, a visual diagram, we have these categories... Uh, What are some other things for people to consider when it comes to setting their own boundaries and to acknowledging their boundaries?
1: Yeah, so I think another common issue that I see often when considering boundaries is just our expectations of others. Oftentimes, we can expect people to have the same boundaries as us. And that can create conflict because each person's boundaries are going to be different depending on their personality, their life situation, their stage in life, just where they are. Their nationality,
0: their ethnicity. I mean, there's a lot of issues with boundaries that that can show up their gender. You know, are the two people talking, are you different ages? Are you a superior, you know, and a subordinate? I mean, there's a lot of issues within the boundaries. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So just being considerate of others that your boundaries are not gonna translate to every other person.
0: Okay, so I guess then, you know, what do we do with this? So we've diagnosed the problem, we've talked about, okay, I fall into this category or my bullseye looks like this. But at the end of the day, like, how do people actually pursue healthy boundaries and articulate those boundaries or live out those boundaries?
1: Yeah, so one of the most common things that I encourage people to start with when they're thinking about boundaries is making a list of your needs and your priority list. So, again, this is why, you know, I feel like the Enneagram is so helpful. The Enneagram gives us a self-awareness to be able to create that list of what are my needs as an individual, as a unique person. And I think a part of that is taking time alone to figure out to figure out what that is, but then at an appropriate time, bringing that into community to get their feedback.
0: Yeah, that's really, really good. Yeah. Any other practical tips?
1: Yeah. So kind of making a list or a schedule of like, what does an ideal week look like for me? Where am I getting time for rest? If I'm someone that struggles to rest, where am I stepping in? If I'm someone that struggles to act that Mm -hmm. um, needs list and that priority list is going to give you a filter by which to say yes
2: and which to say no. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important for that visual. Like you said, like write down your ideal week because for those of us that may struggle with overcommitment you can write down your full week and you're like oh my gosh no wonder I'm exhausted because like look at all the things that I'm tending to but for others of us that may struggle with that undercommitment or that passive delay looking at your ideal week will help you realize like oh I might have more margin here than I meant that I thought because I know for me whenever I struggle with committing or saying yes and I just say oh maybe I'll let you know it's because I'm I'm afraid that I'm not going to feel well rested or I'm not going to have time so for me to like have a sense of self, have an established work week to look at in front of me. I could say like, oh, actually, I know I'll have margin later this week so I can say yes to you today or, you know, vice versa.
0: Well, for those that have been listening, hopefully as you listened, you identified which of these categories you fell into, where along the spectrum you found yourself, and that out of that, you can begin to put a plan in place to develop more healthy boundaries. It's going to benefit your life. It's going to give you better relationships with God, with other people, with yourself. Kiana, thanks for walking us through all of that. You know, we respect your boundaries, except that we don't. So when we come back, (laughs) we will be playing Enneagram Superfight Boundaries Edition with Kiana Brown. Stay with us. In today's episode of the Enneacast, we're exploring the topic of boundaries. And a lot of folks that struggle to create boundaries, they can also struggle with codependency and become overly attracted to people that are really in need. Well, to explore this topic a bit more, head over to our other podcast, the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. And specifically, check out episode number 12, where the gospel meets addiction.
2: I know that either God or Satan placed this piece of pot in front of me.
0: I look at substances more
2: so as a person developing in a relationship too. I went to elaborate lengths
0: thought the doorbell was wired to spy on
2: us i don't know how but i ended up with the nickname jesus
0: he was changed big time yeah so subscribe now wherever it is that you listen to podcasts or you can check us out on spotify by searching for love thy neighborhood or head over to lovethyneighborhood.org slash ltn podcast Back to the Enneadcast. Mm-hmm. I'm Jesse Eubanks, and I'm Sam Stevenson. And now it's time for Enneagram Superfight: Boundaries Edition. <laughs> Okay, uh, so Super Fight is a real game. It's made by Skybound Games. You can find it on Amazon or at superfightgame.com. We played this game in Season 1 with our friends from No Chill Enneagram, and it was ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, So we wanted to bring it back for this season, but with a twist. Okay, so here's how the game works. We have a stack of cards with Enneagram numbers on them, and we have a stack of cards with random attributes on them. Sam and I are going to draw from each stack. The Enneagram number is going to be our fighter, and the attributes are going to be the abilities of that fighter. But here's the twist. Kana, you are not going to build a fighter. Instead, since we're talking about boundaries, you are going to build a fortress. So you have a separate stack of cards that you will draw from to build your fortress, Once you have your fortress, and Sam and I have our fighters, we're then going to argue about how each of our fighters are going to be able to break through and conquer your fortress. And then you get to argue about how your fortress would withstand our attacks. Whoever has the best argument wins. We'll play three rounds. Here we go.
2: So I am an enneagram eight.
0: Oh my gosh! So I'm already going to win. Unfair.
2: And I'm armed with a superglue fire hose. And, oh, dang it, I'm walking 12 wiener
0: dogs. So maybe this will work out. <laughs> okay, I am a type one, I'm 100 stories tall, and <laughs> I'm trapped in a potato sack.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: Kellen, what's the fortress? <laughs> okay, so my fortress is a field of quicksand but it is protected by adorable man eating puppies and guarded by hurricane force air cannons
0: <laughs> okay so
1: come at me come on
0: <laughs> okay so we got we got quicksand quicksand adorable puppies adorable
1: man eating puppies not oh, just adorable puppies yeah, okay. man eating puppies uh-huh and it is also guarded by hurricane force air cannons
2: okay. honestly i think my super glue fire hose could freeze the quicksand and kill your man eating puppies. So I think I would be I'm I'm putting a lot of faith in my my super glue fire hose cuz it's got a lot of force and it's going to make everything sticky and it'll counteract the quicksand. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> uh
0: so I'm a type 1 100 stories tall trapped in a potato sack. So I'm huge. Like I'm gigantic. Like even if I fell over in the potato sack, I'd probably just crush everything. Like that's that's probably including just the
2: yourself. End. Like
0: well, yeah, you would sink in a quicksand. You're I would so long. Die in a glorious victory. You would
2: sink, and you wouldn't have even the capacity to get out of the quicksand because you're so tall. But I'm 100 stories tall, even, you know. And you're in a potato sack, so you take one step, you fall down, you're stuck in quicksand. Sorry,
0: I'm like I I'm a potato sack champion. Are you? Is that what it says? Or are you just stuck in one? You know what quicksand's going to be like to a guy that's 100 stories tall? Yeah. It's walking on the beach, and the sand moves under your feet. That's all that it's going to feel like. Until
2: he falls because he's in a potato sack. All right, Kiana, who would win? So, first of
1: all, quicksand does not care about super glue. It just sucks it down, just nope. like everything else. Super glue does not have enough time to dry before the quicksand would suck it down. I don't know. Also, I my, agree um, <laughs> you are walking wiener dogs, and they are going to be interested in my man-eating puppies because they're like, oh, other puppies, and then the puppies will destroy yeah. you. Yeah,
2: that's so really you're sad. Gone. All just... right, Kiana, how would you destroy Jesse?
1: So Jesse is 100 stories tall. That is an issue, but he's in a potato sack, so he's going to fall down. And once he has fallen down, my man-eating puppies will come and destroy him. And he can't get anywhere near me because I am guarded by hurricane force air cannons.
0: Okay, well.
1: So
2: who wins? So we, throw, are okay, we tossing so let's it to this. Zabo?
0: We're gonna, we're gonna toss this over to producer Rachel Zabo, who's gonna give us her verdict. Rachel, what is your verdict?
1: Well, I was gonna go with you until Kiana made her argument. That was a good argument. I think Kiana keeps her fortress.
0: Okay. Victory
1: for good boundaries!
0: Point for boundaries. Lame boundaries. Okay. Okay. Uh, Let's do round two. All right. I am an Enneagram 2,
2: and I know Kung Fu, and I'm armed with a sniper rifle.
0: Okay. Well, I'm a type 6, and I can walk through solid objects, but I also lay exploding eggs. That is a medical condition. That sounds like a personal problem.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kiana, what are
1: you? So, I am 100 feet of desert guarded by land sharks that is surrounded by geysers of boiling hair gel guarded by soul eating ghosts
2: what the heck yeah you win (laughs) i don't even know how to argue i mean my sniper rifle and kung fu are no match for any of those like forces that you have on your side can i wave my white flag and surrender that was
0: the best nine argument I've ever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, what is my sniper rifle going to do with a geyser of hair gel? Like, nothing.
0: Okay, well, uh, I'm a type six. Uh, these folks are super courageous. So they're looking out and they see it all. They can see how far through the desert they got to go. They, uh, what, what were the other things?
1: Geysers of boiling hair gel. Okay,
0: the geysers of boiling hair gel. Okay, Guarded. those can be avoided. Can't
1: soul I... eating ghosts yeah
0: that's a little problem what am i yeah, gonna, <laughs> what am I gonna do against on that, that uh kung fu my way out no yeah okay so the type sixes, you know they you know they they lay exploding eggs my type sixes, so they could lay some eggs and then throw them kill all the sharks okay that's taken care of mm-hmm. um and they can walk through solid objects so they have some ability to like
1: Ghosts are not solid objects.
0: I know. It's a little problematic. I don't exactly understand. Like, is it like the Dementors? Like, is that what we're... <laughs>
1: Dementors, yeah. yes.
0: Okay. Uh, that's- I don't know what to do. Yours is so good. Yeah. I'm with Sam. I don't even think- I think I'm going to lay down my arms. I'm going to give it to you. Okay. Boundaries. You Bound win again. Two
2: points. Boundaries two. So this last round is worth 80,000 points. <laughs> so for this last round, I am myself. I'm a nine and I'm in a blimp and I throw burritos. Honestly, this is my next move after after I leave here, guys. This is like
0: your career move.
2: Yeah. It's just like a floating Chipotle. Like it's the classic, like it's the best case scenario for a nine.
0: Can I win? I don't even know. You would become queen of all the nines. They would look up to you in the sky and they They're go, like, She's here. queen. There's burritos falling from the sky. You're welcome. Okay. I am also myself. I'm a type four. Mm-hmm. Um, I am driving a tank. Of so course. that's kind of awesome. Uh, but I'm wearing one of those cones that they put on pets to keep them from licking themselves. It <laughs> <That laughs> is wait, hilarious. Wait, your
1: fighter is wearing that or the tank has one?
0: <laughs> the tank, right? No, me, just me.
1: But you're in a tank. So, so the tank, tank
2: driver.
0: driver. The tank driver. I, okay. myself, have Jesse limited Eubanks visibility. Inside the tank, <laughs> Jesse wearing is
1: wearing a cone. I'm of wearing shame a cone of shame. Cone of shame. <laughs> Jesse is wearing the cone of shame inside a tank Sam is driving a blimp, throwing chipotle burritos. Yep. All right. I have a wall of butts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what?
1: Guarded by the killer rabbit, <laughs> and the wall has mouths—very hungry mouths. Ew.
0: Wait, I Sam Stevenson.
1: Eat Sam's burritos. You are feeding the wall, and they're gonna let me in. No. I think you guys are too distracted by my wall of butts to even fight Okay, the
0: wall. Sam, I got an idea. Okay, we team up? Let's team up.
2: I'm in a blimp, so I can distract them with all the flying burritos. Okay,
0: okay. And
2: yeah. you will drive the tank, and you don't even need the visibility that's limited by your cone of shame, because the wall will be um, looking upward at me, throwing them burritos, and I will be able to to glide over the fortress, and you'll be able to to plunder and destroy the fortress from outside so i think that this is
0: the the one where we take you over and we win okay uh great. we're gonna pass this one over to rachel zabo
1: sam feeds the mouths and then you come with your tank and go
0: okay so uh producer rachel zabo says the winner is sam and i yeah boom in your face boundaries boom. we don't care about your boundaries <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for listener questions So this question comes from LT1391. What is the difference between boundaries and shutting people out? It seems to be a fine line. It's a good Mm -hmm. question.
1: So what is the difference between boundaries and shutting people out? Sometimes I don't think there is a difference. Sometimes a healthy boundary is there is someone in our life that is very unhealthy, and we do need to have a boundary against that person. Other times... Shutting people out is a selfish, is selfishly motivated, um, and it could be because we just don't want to deal with that person, or we don't feel like we have time. Um, so there are times where, you know, there are times for both. There are times to shut people out that are unhealthy and not good. There are other times that we may need to grow, expand that boundary a little bit, and bring people in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that uh, I think it's just again, it's important to know the difference between those categories. Like, who is it that I need to let into my life more? And who is it that I really probably don't need to be giving them access to these more sensitive, tender parts of my story? Mm -hmm. It's an unhealthy attachment and I need to move them more to the peripheral, or in, even in some extreme cases, you may need to remove them from your life altogether. There are just some people that they are gonna be destructive to our life, and a healthy boundary is that, uh, that you can't be a part of my life. Because of the way that you've behaved, you, can't, you can no longer be a part of my life. And so, uh, so yeah, so to Kiana's point, I think, I think it is definitely, a boundary is just that. There's people that belong on the inside of the boundary, and there's people that belong on the outside of that boundary.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we see that in scripture with Jesus. He has people that are inside of that boundary, but he can't include everyone on in his earthly ministry. Not everyone was inside of that boundary. And I will add like shutting people out doesn't give license or freedom to just be rude to people. There are healthy and appropriate ways to shut people out.
0: Yeah. And there are. there's also the temptation too. You'll see it sometimes in folks where You know, they'll go like, I'm defriending and shutting out everybody that, you know, that's been talking down to me lately. And it's from a disposition that's really it's not mature, because in many cases, if you scratch the surface, what's happening is people are just questioning. They're questioning them. Why did you say that thing? Why do you keep making these particular choices? And in many cases, those friends could actually be good friends because they're looking out for your best interest, but that's just going to take discernment. So just because somebody isn't always 100% your cheerleader, well, in fact, I would say this, if somebody is 100% always your cheerleader and they support everything, that's probably not a super healthy person to, to have in the center of your life.
2: Okay. Next question comes from Simply Dulos Vibes. What is a safe way to say no? So it seems like
1: in terms of safety, this person is thinking about the safety of the relationship, the security. So it's important to, an important first step would be to assure that person first, we are secure in our friendship. This saying no has nothing to do with how I feel about you as a person or if I do or don't want you in my life.
0: Good friends allow you to say no. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And somebody that is not a very healthy or committed friend, the moment you say no, if they disappear, it shows the fact that that was probably not a healthy relationship. You need the ability to be your own person and to have a certain set of boundaries, sometimes even wrong boundaries. So, you know, there, there is a reality that there are certain personalities that the moment you say no to them, they are done with the relationship. But think about that. Was it really a friendship to begin with if Mm -hmm. you never had the freedom to be able to set up a boundary within the relationship? So my my encouragement would just be, you know, to Kiana's point, like to affirm that friendship. uh, Hey, I love you. You matter a lot to me. This friendship matters a lot to me. I'm not going to be able to do this thing or I'm not comfortable with it. You know, whatever it is, like you establish that boundary. So I think there's room to both affirm the standing of the relationship while also being clear with the boundary that you're setting.
1: this is a good one to again go back and think about your circle of concern versus your circle of responsibility
0: it's good hey this has been fun it's been good having you in the studio
1: yeah thanks it was it was awesome
0: Well, thank you to our guest today, Kiana Brown. Again, she is the operations administrator for Love Thy Neighborhood, uh, which hopefully you know about by now if you've been listening to this podcast. Also, a lot of the content for our episode today came from the book Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend. Also, thank you to Crosspoint Ministry, who trained Sam and I in the Enneagram. To learn more about Crosspoint or to attend one of their amazing retreats, visit crosspointministry.com. Our show is a production of Love Thy Neighborhood.
2: Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by a Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Come serve with us for a summer or a year. While you're here, you'll grow in your faith and your life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org.
0: Today's episode was produced by myself, Sam Stevenson, and Rachel Zabo. Engineering and editing by Rachel Zabo. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community.